Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey friends, have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships? My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach, and within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Welcome to Friday with Friends. I am so excited to introduce you all to a new friend I made in New York, Bobby Lynch. I met Bobby when he was serving us at a all-vegan restaurant and was just really, really attracted to his energy, his great vibe. I went on to learn so much more about him, including the fact that he founded and is the CEO of an organization called Plant Strength. He guides people not only in nutrition, but in fitness. I mean, this guy is seriously buff. But even more importantly, Bobby is a kind soul who's doing amazing work, being a voice for the animals, and helping humans to be their best selves along the way. We had an amazing talk today, and I hope you enjoy meeting Bobby. Welcome, Bobby. I'm so glad to have you on today. After meeting you um, just a few weeks ago when my daughter and I were in New York, at a restaurant and you were our waiter and you were so delightful and charming. And Olivia overheard you speaking to the table next to us. It was a vegan restaurant, but there's no assumption that the waiters or waitstaffer are, you know, vegan all all the time. I'm actually the one of the only fully vegan ones that's fully vegan. (laughs) Uh, Well, it was, it was funny because you were taking, you were talking to the people right next right the table next um, to us. And you said, well, I'm vegan and I like, and Olivia's like, he's vegan. (laughs) (laughs) So we were like, he's our guy. And we just talked to you. And so I was so happy to learn about all the things you're up to. You just do that on the side. You have many other things going on. 
So welcome today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to have uh, to be on and it was a pleasure meeting you guys. Well, you know, I've been vegan 20 years, so it's I feel like every time I meet another vegan, it's like a celebration because it is still, we are still in the minority, although growing very strong. I would love to know about your journey into veganism. How did that, um, since it is still not, it is a little bit fringy. How did you get there? So I've been fully vegan for three years now. Uh, I, my vegan anniversary is September, 2018. So just last month, I, uh, you know, it was my, it was my anniversary month and I've been four years, almost just for, almost four years without meat. So it was November, 2017 that I gave up meat. And, um, it's funny because if you had asked me about five years ago, could I imagine being vegan? I would have said not a chance. And I, I was dating this girl at the time and we had been together for about, we were, we were together for like two and a half years and she was vegetarian and she had been vegetarian for pretty much her entire life. And I remember her saying to me a few months before I decided to go vegetarian myself, she was like, Bob, I think I want to go vegan. And I'm like, why do that to yourself? Don't be so restrictive. <laughs> and it's not, and it's like, I was always in support of her being vegetarian. I would regularly eat vegetarian meals and even actually just by default, not even thinking about it, vegan meals when we would go out to eat. But I just never understood what it meant to be vegan. And I never connected with the food that I was eating on my plate to who it came from and how much suffering and death that it caused to the animals, to our environment and to our health as humans. And so once I learned all of this, I was like, I, I feel like I've been duped my whole life. I feel like I've just had lines put over my eyes and I've been led to believe this one way of thinking. And I just felt so, I guess, cheated because I always considered myself an animal lover. And, and you don't even have to be an animal lover to be vegan because being vegan is just doing the right thing. And once I, once I realized, I was like, wow, I'm, these products are, to put it bluntly, when you eat meat, you're eating body parts. When you eat dairy and eggs, you're eating secretions. And we don't think like this. All we ever see is the final product all done up on our plate. And when I made that connection and I and I saw what, what is happening to these beautiful sentient creatures, I was like, I, I can't support this. You know, that happened over the course of, I would say, about a year's time from when I was first exposed to the, the animal agriculture industry, the insides of it. I started seeing some posts on social media. I eventually saw What the Health on Netflix. And after I saw What the Health, that's when I vowed to never eat meat again. And then it was about eight months later that after watching more documentaries and really connecting with my deeper purpose and my why, and, and, and with anything that happens in life that you want to change, you have to connect to your why. Like why, are, why do you want to make this change? And, and my why is I don't want to live hypocritically. I felt like I was a hypocrite by saying I love animals, but I'm still paying for their suffering and death. And although I had given up meat, I didn't realize 
how bad the dairy and the egg industries are, which they're honestly even worse than the meat industry because those animals are exploited, sexually exploited their whole life. And they live a longer life than those in the meat industry. So they go through more suffering for, uh, you know, endure more suffering for a longer period of time. And then they're ultimately all killed mm. for meat in the end. And once I realized that, I was like, I had to look myself in the mirror and say, do you want to, which side of history do you want to be on? And do you want to live aligned with your beliefs? And that's something my, my um, parents always raised me to do, especially my dad, who'd always drive home, like always do what's honest and ethical and what's right. And uh, unfortunately he passed away six years ago and he had a, a, it's called gastrointestinal stromal tumor. So that also was a big part of me going vegan because of the health aspect. And I learned just how, just how negative animal protein, the effects that it has on the human body, how terrible they are. And he passed of, a, of an invasive gastrointestinal disease. And at the time I didn't know what I know now because he passed in 2015 and I didn't get exposed to this information until 2017 for the first time. So all of that compiled into me going vegan. And I just wish I had known all this information my whole life. And I wish I had been vegan my whole life. And I know when I ultimately have kids someday, I'm going to raise them vegan. Yes. That's one comment you made to Olivia that, because Olivia has been vegan her whole life. She's now 19. And you said, wow, I wish I had, you know, and I think a lot of people that is an initial reaction, like, wow, I wish I had done this earlier. I wish I knew this. And I think that's why the videos, the visuals are so impactful because you can't escape that. You can't, the truth is there. You know, we are purposefully, intentionally hidden from that actual truth. You know, we were just driving back from dropping Olivia off and we were on this highway and passed numerous trucks that were carrying animals to slaughter. And ever since I was a kid in North Carolina, where I would see a lot of these, and I remember feathers flying all over the place and all these chickens in there. And my heart was like, what are they doing in there? You know, well, on this trip back, there were pigs and these beautiful, I mean, pink, they were so pink. And I said to Mark, you know, my husband, I said, they're so young. They're so young and they're sitting in there and they're, they're being driven. And if you actually are ever on the highway, at some point you'll see that really look in there. Like you said, those are beings. Every single one of them is a being and they are scared. They are probably very sick and possibly injured because that's how they, you know, that's how it happens. And, and start to connect, like, what would it be like if that was your domestic animal, your child? I mean, just insert another sentient being and, and there's no way we would stand for that. And yet it happens every day, millions of animals. It, we can't even wrap our head around it. So those visuals, why, what do you think is the best technique for getting people to actually look at it? Because right now they have to make that choice. They have to decide to watch what the hell. They have to, you know, they have to dig in. Like that's the, the part about that the resistance right now is that it, it takes an effort to want to learn. So of course, if it's going to, change your behavior, a lot of times we don't want to learn. What have you found that has been really impactful? Because I know you're also, you became an activist with this. How have you brought this into people's view, literally? 
I try to meet each person where they are and I try to understand their perspective first and what their perspective is on veganism and what it means to be vegan. Because if, if you don't meet someone where they are and you try to just make assumptions and bring them to a place that you expect them to be, they're not going to ever get there. Um, and they're going to be even more resistant. So I first try to seek to understand their perspective and then I go from there for, so, and if, if they connect with veganism on more of a health aspect, right, that's all they think about. They don't really understand it from an animal rights perspective. Then I try to offer an education around that, but also just have a conversation and try to take different points out of them, ask as many questions as possible. And then I can segue them into other things, uh, which ultimately, because veganism is a philosophy and way of living that seeks to exclude as far as is possible and practicable, all forms of exploitation and cruelty to animals, to non-human animals for food, clothing, entertainment, and any other purpose. And a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people think vegan is just a diet. And that's why a lot of people are resistant to it because they're like, oh my God, if I go vegan, I can never do that. Like I have to give up all these things. But really it's just a shift in perspective because not you're not giving up anything. You're just no longer taking what was never yours to begin with, mm. number one. And number two, with the food you see at the restaurant that I serve at Willow, you can get so many things. I mean, the menu is calamari, cheeseburger, sliders, steak and fritz, porcini, chicken, marsala, eggplant, lasagna. You, it's, so, it's so many different types of foods that you would never expect to be vegan. And yet it's all vegan and it tastes absolutely, absolutely amazing. So that's the beauty about today's day and age is that you don't, in terms of taste, texture, flavor, you're not giving up anything whatsoever. And you're only doing yourself a service because you're going to live a lot healthier. Uh, of course, you can be vegan and be unhealthy if you're just eating a bunch of junk food. But even then, I mean, it's still healthier than eating animal-based junk food. So to get people to go vegan, my goal is just to get people to connect with their inner why in their inner purpose, because a lot of people, pretty much almost everyone that I've met has the morals to be vegan when it comes to animal rights, because I always ask people, would you trade places with these animals? Like, would you willingly say, Hey, you know what? I like using this analogy where this, um, like, imagine if an alien race came down to earth and they started hurting us as humans for food or they, you know, they enslaved us uh, to produce for them. And then not only were we producing products for them, they started killing us so that they could eat our dead bodies and our secretions and then turn them into food and clothing and use us for entertainment. How would that make you feel? Would you willingly subject yourself to that sort of life? And if the answer is no, you wouldn't, then why expect someone else to? Mm-hmm. Mm. And then I also like to say, well, what if there was a select group of aliens, about 3% of those aliens who didn't like what all the rest of their alien friends were doing to humans? And they stood up for us as humans and said, hey, we shouldn't exploit them. We shouldn't kill them. We shouldn't eat them. They should be allowed to live freely. Would you? say, hey, no, 
listen, quiet down, let them do their thing. Like I'm here. My body is for them. If they like the taste of my body, they should have it. I should suffer. I should die. I'm okay with giving up my life. Like they're just doing their job. Uh, all the excuses I hear all the time when I advocate for animals, especially because speaking on the trucks, kind of connecting our whole conversation. I've never seen a truck on the highway before, but the first time I saw one of those trucks is literally a year ago, actually, almost to this day, I went to a vigil here in New York city when I moved down and the vigils for those of you listening, for those of you guys listening to this podcast who don't know what, uh, what they are. It's uh, where we stop the, the truck outside of the slaughterhouse. And the one that I've been going to is with the Newark animal save. And we get to spend some time with the animals because they've been on that truck for a day to up to three to four days without food, without water. They're open and exposed to the elements. So if it's midsummer, it's brutally hot. If it's midwinter, it's brutally cold, rain, sleet, snow, whatever it is, they're exposed to that. Like you said, some of them are dead. Some of them are sick. They're all piled on top of each other. And so we stop and we get to see them. And, and it's like when you advocate, because we post all of our stuff online, the common response is, oh, you're, you're bothering the workers. Leave the workers alone. They're just trying to do their job. Like we, it's, it's disgusting what you guys do. I'm like, if you were in the position of the animals, would you be saying that? Like if your life were on the line, would you be siding with the workers or would you be siding with the person who's standing up against your oppression? So that's where I try to get people to connect is just like, put yourself in a position of the victim because going vegan is hard when you only think of yourself, but when you put yourself in the position of the victim and you act as if you were him or her, it becomes the easiest decision in the world. I agree. I think when I always say that to people, when they say, oh, wasn't it hard? And I said, it was incredibly easy because it was, to your point, taking off this veil of hypocrisy, knowing that I was a good person and I was raised with core values of kindness and humanity and compassion. And yet the choices that I had been making, you know, and I grew up with, you know, it was... I grew up eating meat. I, I grew up in the South. We had meat at every single meal. And for me, and I think a lot of people feel this way and some people don't, but they can find it. For me, it never really set well. I believe from a very young age, I knew something was not right. I remember eating chicken and pulling the, you know, pulling on the drumstick and looking at my dog and being like, this is weird. This is totally fucked up. And I was like six years old, but I had that connection. Like this is an animal part. This belonged to a living animal who's no longer here. And, and mean, meanwhile, my dog's here and we love him and he can go, you go wherever he wants. And so I think what happens is it's, it's a freedom because all of the internal hypocrisy that is there, whether or not we're acknowledging it is gone. And all we are living in alignment. And, and like you said, we're doing the best. Like no one's going to be perfect. But to me, this is the easiest choice. This is the easiest choice to not participate in this systematic cruelty that is inherent. I don't care what you say. If you raise them on a farm where you think they're happy, it is part of it. You, you can't separate that. And like, that's like a room that's different. No, it's all part of this 
warehouse of cruelty and murder and uh, because they're all going to end up in the same way. And we are making, we are making the decision. It's like the, in fact, it's the most judgmental thing we can do. Like sometimes people think vegans are really judgy and I know we can come off as total assholes sometimes. And I, I always say it's because we get frustrated, you know, it's like, yeah. When you when you have that epiphany and 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 as you said I want to really hone this in it or drill this in it is a philosophy it is not just a way of eating because it's a way of living it informs every choice you make you're not going to go to a circus you're not going to go to something that that is where animals are again products subjects that we are um taking advantage of you're not going to go to sea world just cuz you think it would be fun for your kids it's it's saying this is totally unnecessary and we can do better as humans and we should do better. And I really believe that is if the way we treat animals is, is such an extension of how we treat each other. I totally agree. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about that, like cruelty. When you've talked to people and you feel like you're hitting like a real brick wall, what is it that you think people become so defensive, you know, whether it's like, I have the right to hunt or I have the right to do what I want. And, and they just are, there's blinders on to how they are inherently being cruel with the decisions they're making. How do you deal with that? Well, I don't take it personal. I really don't take many things in life personally. Uh, Smart. I understand. Yeah, I understand. Like I used to, when I was young, it was completely different. My mindset was completely different. I had a much more closed mindset and I would take everything personally, even something that wasn't even directed at me. But now just as I've grown older and wiser and more mature and my, I've just really done a lot of work on my mindset and just having an open and growth oriented mindset, I, I realized that, uh, I mean, one, like criticism is constructive feedback. It's, it's a way to learn and grow and get better. And two, like someone, everyone is on their own personal journey for self-growth and enlightenment. And that's why I said from the start, when I'm doing activism, I try to seek to understand each person's perspective first because I want to meet them with, with where they are. And what I see a lot is when people are very resistant, it's a combination of a couple things or it could just be either one or the other, but it's usually more often than not, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're hitting chords for their own inner conscience and guilt because they would rather live cognitively dissonant. They would rather mindlessly consume and not think about the suffering. Oh, I don't want to watch this. So I don't want to hear about it. I don't, I just like stop. Right. It's because they don't want to accept the guilt. They don't want to accept the fact that they are contributing to the suffering of these animals. They'd rather just pretend like it doesn't happen. And then there's the other end, which I feel like this is more of the minority because like I said, most people do want what's best for everyone else and not just humans, but animals too. And you see that with how they react uh, about hearing about animal cruelty. No one wants to hear about an animal suffering, but there are some people who have been raised to believe that animals really are here for us. And that's why they hunt. And that's, um, 
So on that end, it's just sometimes you just kind of have to accept the conversation for what it is and recognize that, hey, you know what, hopefully I planted a seed and I'm just going to let this go and maybe it'll flourish later on. Because a lot of times like when, when going vegan, there's a saying like it takes like a like, like on a scale, like on a, I forget how exactly how it goes. There's like a hundred different instances, like little, little different things. So it could be anything that could compile into that. Maybe it's a conversation with an activist. Maybe it's like seeing a clip here, seeing a clip there. And it's like a compilation of things that ultimately leads you to making that, making that change. And so hopefully my conversation with that person helped lead them to go there, you know, cause like at the end of the day, my goal isn't to I mean, I guess you could say my goal is to change you. Like I would love it, but change has to come from within. And I recognize that. It's to, it's to raise, it's to start the conversation at least. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I can only do so much. So I just have to accept that person. I can do my best to offer as much information as possible. I can do my best to connect with them uh, exactly where they're at. But if they're just not ready to change I have, I just have to accept that. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't take it personally because it's not going to help me. And, um, it's, I'm not going to let my emotions get the best of me and engage in an elevated conversation because I don't think it's necessary mm-hmm. and it's just going to push them even further away from going vegan. I just want to bring people in and not put a wall up. That's Exactly it. I think it it we have a responsibility to to hold the bar high on how we converse. And I and I do think I'm like you. I want to be the voice for animals and in doing that, I don't want to turn anybody away from it. And so I know that it is it is a personal journey. I do think that there are people again activists who can activists who have good hearts and good intentions but can turn people off because they're they want it to happen now. Of course we all want it to happen now, but um, all change takes time and effort and patience and grace. And part of the compassion we have to extend is to other people. So I want to also ask you about some other perceptions. So you are a very fit guy who used to play football, as you told us. Um, and there's a big perception that you can't really be super strong. I think a lot of that is being, you know, crushed because so many, so many of these top athletes now have become vegan and world, yeah. you know, world records are being broken by vegans. But how do you talk to people, say at the gym or who really are like, I could not do that because I feel so weak when I don't eat meat or I, I feel like I'm not going to get enough protein or iron or all of those things. How do you approach that? Obviously you're a walking representation. You're super strong, you're super fit, but what are some other techniques you tell people or some for people that are listening right now that are like, yeah, I really want to do this or I want to try it, but I've tried it before and I felt really weak. Well, first and foremost, I always like to lead by example. I practice what I preach. So I'm not going to tell somebody one thing, but not live that. And that was actually an idea that came to my head when I was watching activists speak on animal rights. And a lot of the times, and especially like for men, love what they're doing, completely support what they're doing, always stand behind them. However, the animal rights activists that were men, 
a lot of other men would challenge them and say, well, where do you get your protein? How do you build muscle? And these activists weren't in shape. They weren't athletes. They weren't bodybuilders or powerlifters. They were just, you, you know, your average person. And of course, that's people go to people like people come to me to work with me for coaching or other like Malik who's on our team, DJs who's on our team. They go to us because of how we look. They, they say, Oh, well, look at, he looks that way. So I want to look that way too. So that's why I'm going to go work with him. And so that actually came to my head for our idea. So we call it plant strength movement. So we have our own type of activism events, which are a little bit different. So there's different type of activism. There's the vigils, uh, which I told you about, that's going outside the slaughterhouses, documenting the animals. There's uh, cubes of truth. Those are put on by the anonymous for the voiceless. And uh, so that they show like footage of dominion. I know I'm veering a little off topic here, but it's all kind of going to come up. I'll bring it for a full circle in a second. And then, uh, and then what I did with, um, my company plant strength is, uh, I actually have the signs right here. Like, like to see them. Oh yeah. You don't need meat to build muscle and then you can't see it, but it says prove us wrong at the bottom. Real men eat plants. Love it. Um, so I love it. We go out in New York city with our shirts off vegan written on our chest the girls would have their like sports bras on and tight leggings and they'd have vegan on their stomach we play play a bunch of music we make it more like a party and we try to invite people in because people would see us like oh this big group of vegans like how do they all look like that and then people would come up and ask us exactly that and so then from there i would explain to them because i'm I'm a a professional nutrition coach so i have a background in um nutritional science and Basically, I just educate them on the fact that it ultimately comes down to calories in, calories burned. And of course, the macronutrients, your protein, carbs, and fats, they matter to a degree more so on the protein side. Are you getting enough protein? But it depending on your depending on your training. So if you're doing a lot of resistance training or endurance training, then you have a higher protein requirement than the average sedentary individual. And people are all worried about, well, what if we become protein deficient? Well, number one, when was the last time you heard of someone dying of protein deficiency? Not in the US, that's for sure. (laughs) Number two, all protein, about 90% of the protein that we consume derives from plants. So there are amino acids that are produced in the stomachs of animals, but where those animals are getting their amino acids from to build their bodies are from plants. Cows are on average about 2,000 pound mammals. They don't eat another animal their entire life. They eat grass. And so they're getting their protein from the plants. We get our protein from plants as well. That's all where it derives from. And the average sedentary individual only needs about 50 grams of protein a day to completely avoid protein deficiency. Efficiency. Like that's like guarantee a thousand percent. You're not going to die of protein deficiency. And it's almost like really hard to not get 50 grams. And let me just add that that fallacy of being protein deficient has been just shoved down our, shoved, shoved down our literally throats 
by billion dollar companies who are benefiting from that fallacy, you know? Because so, animal products right. are so high in protein. Yeah. So if you say something enough, if you hear it enough, if it's in everything, if by the way, all the books that we get in school, I mean, there's so much funding that ha- that is directly related to these companies. When we, That's the other thing. When we really peel that back and see that, like the self-serving messages that are only serving these companies and certainly not serving the animals. And they're not serving us because along with that, there's too much protein for most people. And there's a whole host of diseases that are caused by uh, the protein, animal proteins that are being eaten, but carry on. Yeah. 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 You know, you hit it. You hit the nail on the head. You're exactly right. The animal agriculture industry does like on average 200 billion plus dollars a year in revenue. They're spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year lobbying Congress, hundreds of millions of dollars a year lobbying uh, schools. And it's funny actually touching on the school system. I have a friend who's vegan and she's she's an elementary school teacher. She said, this is absolutely mind blowing that she told me this, but at her school, Dairy milk is free. Cartons of milk are free. Water is 50 cents. You have to pay to get water, but you can get dairy milk for free. And she said, every time the kids are sick, it's always after lunch mm-hmm. because they're fed garbage mm-hmm. and they're fed a ton of animal protein. And it's like, we, we are just like, uh, like I said in the beginning, we were just we led to believe so many things. We have blinders over our eyes. We don't see the process. And we're told, and if you think about it, back in the 1950s, maybe a little bit earlier, they were saying smoking cigarettes was healthy. Doctors would recommend pregnant women to smoke cigarettes. Athletes used to smoke cigarettes. How many, you can look back in time, look at an ad from, was it the 1920s? Babe Ruth smoking a cigarette Mm -hmm. saying it's great for you. So it's going to be the same thing when we like, maybe it's going to, maybe it'll take a little bit longer because it's food versus cigarette, which is more of a, an additive. It's not a necessity to life or food is a necessity for life. So it might be a little bit harder to make this change and it might take a little bit longer, but one day we're going to look back and be like, why did we ever eat animals? Mm -hmm. And there's just this whole notion around, again, like the protein deficiency, but one, you don't need as much as we think. Uh, number two, it's okay. Like as a man, from a man standpoint, that's why we have to sign real many plants from a marketing standpoint you see a lot of these companies like hungry man, for example, real men eat meat. You're, it's only manly. Like I've seen Burger King commercials. So you're a man, you're, it's only manly if you eat meat, et cetera. And just as our society and in general, men are taught to suppress their emotions. They're taught to put up walls. They're taught to not be empathetic or compassionate. You have, you've got to maintain this hard, tough guy stance, blah, 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 blah. And, and that extends to so many different things. I see it extend to course eating meat but then it goes into people's relationships and i am a hundred percent against that and believe that being in touch with your emotions being able to speak openly about your emotions and say this is how i feel this is who i am 
take it or leave it. Being compassionate and extending your compassion and actually giving love, that is what it really means to be a man because it takes a lot of strength to do that. And I don't, a lot of people call that vulnerability when you're being open and raw with your emotions. I completely disagree. It's not vulnerable because vulnerable is a place of weakness. I think it's you're being real and transparent. And that is, that comes in strength because it's a lot easier to hide than to face the truth. Mm. And so that kind of extends into, that's why we do, you know, we have real man eat plants and we want to just show people and we want to lead by example. That's what we do with, uh, you know, what I do myself and what everyone does on the team. We want to lead by example and, and show people that you can live your best life without causing suffering to animals and you can get in your best shape by eating plants. Mm, I love that. So many people are going to fall in love with you, Bobby. So watch out. <laughs> um, but tell us more about your team. So you were just mentioning your team. Like, what is it you guys, like, what is your mission? I'm sure you have some kind of mission statement. What is your vision? What are you doing now? And where are you going? Yes. So try to keep this short. Yeah. Um, so my, my company is Plant Strength. Basically, we're everything vegan. That's our, if you, if you check us out on Instagram, all social platforms at Plant Strength, you'll see right on our Instagram. And it's everything vegan. That's what it says. So we do from activism to online fitness and nutrition coaching through our web platform and app. Food, I developed our plant-based meat called Chicken Bites, which we sell on our website, plantstrength.com and Amazon. These are actually our meal packs. These aren't even available yet. I'm not sure when you're releasing this podcast, but it's still September now. We're releasing these October. Yes. Well, this will be out in October. So, and I can't wait to try them and I'm going to be posting about it. So yeah. Yes. I'm super excited to hear your thoughts on them. And so, yeah, these will be available. We have our family packs, which are bigger. They make two pounds cook. These are smaller. People really have been loving so these. Tell us what's, tell us what's in there and how in the world did you come up with this? Because I know from coming up with products, this is time intensive. There's a lot of hoops to go through from the red tape. So what is in there and how did you come up with it? Yeah. Um, okay, so the chicken bites, they're, they're, our, our motto is made made from ingredients you can pronounce. So there's seven, <laughs> I love that. There's seven simple ingredients, soy flour, garlic, onion, salt, spices, sugar, and baking powder. There's no additives. There's no preservatives. There's no fillers. There's, we don't use any oil, so there's no fat. There's no saturated fat. There's 13 carbs, but seven are fiber. So there's only six net carbs. And then there's 17 grams of protein per four ounce serving. So it's 120 calories as well per, per serving. And I developed them. Honestly, I never, when I first started developing them and working on the recipe, I never actually had the thought to even sell them. I was just committed to being vegan because I went vegan for the animals and I I had made it up in my mind that I'm never not going to be vegan again. But of course, speaking on the protein, I was like, all right, I'm an athlete. And that was actually the, the, one of the biggest reasons I didn't go vegan right away when I went vegetarian, because I was still caught up on that quote unquote bro science of you need animal protein to build muscle. Where am I going to get my protein from? So that's why I was like, all right, eggs, egg bites, whey protein shakes. I can, I can keep those. I can go without meat. But then once I went vegan, I was like, all right, I'm 
I'm never eating meat again. Let me figure out how do I keep up with my protein. And that's when I actually started doing research on soy flour. And I learned the real positive benefits of soy. Yeah, I was going to tell you, please talk about that. Because the minute people hear soy, they're so like, oh, soy, I'm going to get, you know, that's like cancer causing, it's um, HMOs, it's... um, and not HMO. What is my looking for? GM, GMO. GMO, not GMO, HMO. GMO. And then also man, man boobs. boobs. Yeah. So like, go ahead and address that right now. So number one, what people don't realize is that 70 to 75% of the soy produced is fed to the animals in the animal agriculture industry. So without even realizing it, you're indirectly consuming soy every time you eat animal products or 70 to 75% of the time that you eat animal products. Only about 6% is actually turned into human food. Um, number two, the, the estrogen in soy, yes, there is estrogen in soy, but it's phytoestrogen, which is a plant estrogen. And that's different than mammalian estrogen, what we produce as humans because we're mammals and what the animals, farm animals produce as well because they're mammals too. Cows, pigs, turkeys, chickens, they're all they're all mammals. Well, technically a chicken is a bird, but all the other ones. We, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. They, they still they still produce mammalian estrogen. And phytoestrogen, although on a molecular level it has a similar looking structure to mammalian estrogen, its effect on the human body actually has an anti, it's anti-estrogenic. So the phytoestrogen comes in, it'll attach to our estrogen receptors and it'll block real dietary sources of mammalian estrogen from taking hold. Real dietary sources of mammalian estrogen are meat, dairy, and eggs, because again, all of these products come from those creatures, which are mammals. So that's why you see on average, vegan men have about 13% higher testosterone levels than meat eating men. And in terms of breast cancer, one of the studies I cited in the video that I, it's on our YouTube channel, does soy cause man boobs and breast cancer? One of the studies is the Shanghai Women's Health Study, which followed 73,000 women in Shanghai over about 20 years of time from adolescence into adulthood. And they found an inverse relationship between consuming soy and getting breast cancer, meaning that the more soy you consumed, the less your risk for breast cancer and the less soy you consumed. So you consume the higher your risk for breast cancer. And when you look at the longest lived cultures in the world, their diets are high in carbohydrates. Their diets are high in soy. A lot of the Asian cultures, they have, Uh, they consume a lot of soy and they live super long. I consume soy every single day. And I can tell you my testosterone isn't lacking in many different ways. We'll leave it at that. And (laughs) it's like, it just complete, like our, our motto at plant strength is to defy the status quo and prove what's possible through the power of plants. And we support sustainability for mind, body, soul, and the environment. And so we want to defy the status quo on all levels for the first and foremost reason is like define the status quo and what it means to be vegan, define the status quo of you don't need meat to build muscle, mm, right? He's showing define me a big muscle. Quo. Yeah. <laughs> define the status quo on it's, it's manly to be compassionate and to not eat animals and animal products to find the status quo in terms of ingredients for the chicken bites. Um, and when I was developing them, being an athlete and being a, a ingredient conscience 
conscious consumer already before I went vegan. I didn't want additives, preservatives, and fillers. And a lot of the status quo nowadays with these meat substitutes is that they all have additives, preservatives, fillers. They're high in uh, fat because they have a lot of oil. And none of that's really healthy. And I wanted to develop a really clean, macro-friendly product. For those of you who are bodybuilders or athletes, you know all about macros. And so um, I just was made, I just started kind of like experimenting in the kitchen. And eventually I, I came up with the chicken bites, wasn't calling them chicken bites. The recipe was different. And then one day it just occurred to me, I was like, I just kept getting asked, where do you get your protein? And I would tell people all of these other sources like tofu, tempeh, uh, seitan. I'd make, make, make my own homemade seitan, which we have a recipe for that, which just comes from vital wheat gluten, protein powder, protein bars, beans, lentils, quinoa, peas, broccoli, like you name it, peanut butter powder. There's so many different ways, oatmeal. There's so many different ways to get your protein. All vegetables, like I said, are, have protein at varying, at varying levels. And they're all uh, complete sources of protein uh, at, at, as well. They're not incomplete with meaning they're lacking essential aminos. That's a myth. I can debunk that as well if you'd like. But, um, and then, and then one day I was just like, I'm making this product for myself. I could sell this. This could actually be really helpful, helpful for people. And that's why I founded Plant Strength in the first place. I originally founded it just doing online fitness and nutrition coaching. Um, through our web platform and app because I wanted to help people go vegan and, and build a healthy life and maintain their health and fitness while on a plant-based diet. And then I just uh, was like, all right, you know what? Let me see what I can do with this. I brought um, Marcus, who's our, he's a co-founder. He came on the team like technically like two months at like two or three months after I founded it, but I still consider him a co-founder because chicken bites wouldn't be what they are today without him and all of the work that we put in together. Um, because we went through a whole bunch of consumer interviews. We create, did up a bunch of samples of the recipe I had at the time, uh, put them like, put them in little packs, completely different than what these look like today. Went around town. We gave out about a hundred samples to friends and family, did a Google form, got their feedback. And then we went back to the drawing board, perfected the recipe. We actually were calling them chicken chunks at the time. <laughs> Scrap that name because chicken bites sounds so much better. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then they, they developed into what they are today. And, um, and then, well, yeah, with plant strength, that's just ultimately our goal is to certify the status quo and prove what's possible with the power of plants. So, I love that. I love that statement. Yeah, so because that really opens you up to anything. So right now you have an online platform for strength training and nutritional counseling. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you go to plantstrength.com, if you just check the coaching tab, we have a bunch of different options. Um, right now we offer our premium coaching option, which is like an exclusive one-on-one -on -one option. Um, we're about to launch. Well, by the time this episode is out in October, we'll already be into it, but we have a 90 day transformation challenge uh, that is launching on our launch launch or launching whenever this episode airs October 4th. Um, that's um, a lot more cost friendly. That's only $49.99 a month uh, for the three months. And then there's a $500 cash prize giveaway. So much value is included in that. And then we have our uh, programs uh, design option. We'll create a custom program with you for you without coaching. And then we have our, I wrote my book, The Winner's Manual. And uh, that's uh, it's The Winner's Manual, 
take control of your life, how to ditch the quick fixes and finally produce the results that last. So it's not just about being vegan. I have a plant-based eating section in there and I have different chapters on vegan eating, but the main premise of the book is exactly what the short description was, how to ditch the quick fixes that were sold and actually produce results that last. So I take a sustainable, and that's what we do here with our coaching, is we take a sustainable mind, body, spirit approach to health and fitness so that you can enjoy all of the foods that you love while still seeing, seeing the results that you want. Now, of course, all the foods that we recommend you eat are vegan food, but you can eat things like, like I was saying at Willow, calamari, steak and fritz, porcini chicken marsala, eggplant lasagna, cheeseburger sliders, mac and cheese. You can eat all that stuff. It's just in a cruelty-free vegan version, which is so much better for you. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, what we offer. And then we're about to launch an, uh, an, uh, a membership for only $9.99 a month to our app come the new year. And there's going to be so much uh, provided with that as well. That's incredible. I, I just want to note, note that you are doing a lot I think energy begets energy. But do you think that you can attribute some of this to your veganism? Like in terms of when people are, you've become an entrepreneur, you've become a activist, you have formed companies. Like, would you credit that to this movement? Um, or were you always like a go-getter? Um, so I've definitely always been a go-getter. I get, you know, I get the, this, this work ethic from my parents. Um, my both, I mean, my both my mom and dad just worked so hard, and um, and it, like in my dad's career specifically, just knowing where he came from because he was actually a, a seventh grade dropout. He never set foot in high school. When he passed, he had uh, a bachelor's, master's, and PhD in electrical engineering. He was a senior research scientist known around the world for his work in data analytics and signal processing. He did, I don't even know the exact classification. He had five patents, over 50 professional journals, scientific journals published. Um, he was the, the lead editor for the, um, this international engineering IEEE um, society for their, for their journal. And he also was an adjunct professor at UConn where he got his PhD. And wow. not only that, he coached my brother and I through all of our sports from growing, from growing up. So, uh, he did like, he went above and beyond for us. I mean, and that's not to discredit all of what my mom did just for us. You know, she worked, she worked for the state of Connecticut for, 25 years. She just recently retired a couple of years ago, which is the amount that she did for us and always being on top of things. Um, cause you know, doing a lot more for us, uh, in terms of like being a mom, mm -hmm. you know, what moms do. Cause my dad was more busy on that and she worked a more set schedule and he, uh, he had a lot more responsibilities there, but it's just like, I got that work ethic from them. But in terms of like, yeah, being vegan, I, I, I'm so passionate about what I do. And so it doesn't feel like work. It makes it so much easier. And even like when I picked up this second job or technically third job, I, I do some consulting work for another company. I, it's, it, I'm so passionate about working there because I'm serving vegan food and I know how good, much good that's doing for everything, the animals, the environment, the, you know, the, the health of the 
the customers that come in and just like the vegan movement in general, it's making such a big difference. And so I, that's what I really say to people is like, you want to find what you're really passionate about and just go for it. Because at the end of the day, I've kind of realized this since I was young, we're like, if this is our only life, we're all going to die someday. And if this is our only life, why not live it on our terms, doing exactly what we want to do. And it's just, so motivating to me to grow something and to build something that because i really do want to make a difference in this world like a lasting impact on as many lives that i can humans and non-humans alike i i guess i don't even really think about it honestly like when i lay it all out I, i'm like okay i i guess that is actually a lot and a lot of people tell me that but in my head i'm just i'm just like this is just my life i just love what i do i don't even think about it as a lot i don't even think I'm right. Cause when you like, have the passion, really, and, yeah. It, yeah. I don't really consider myself really, I, I mean, anybody like that. I, I just do it because I love it and it makes a difference for people. I love that. And I know your parents and your dad even now is so proud of you and all that you're doing. And it, it's wonderful to have that modeling. Well, we could talk forever and we'll have to have you back, Bobby, but tell, tell everybody, I know, tell everybody uh, where they can find you. I know you mentioned some stuff already, but. Yeah. So you guys can find me personally at Bobby physique on Instagram. I have, um, that's where I post most of my stuff socially. And then, um, for the rest is at plant strength on all social platforms. That's where you'll find us on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, we have a free vegan support group. Um, it's called Plant Strength Community. So just type in Plant Strength in the search bar for groups and you'll find it. TikTok, the whole nine. That's where you can find <laughs> us at Plant Strength. And our website is plantstrength.com. And if you'd like to get some chicken bites, you can get some on plantstrength.com or Amazon, if you'd like, just type in Chicken Bites and we are available on Amazon. We ship anywhere in the United States, uh, one to three day express shipping. I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your passion. And of course, I am really grateful that we met and, and we'll continue to maybe even collaborate. hundred percent. Everything happens for a reason. And I really, that's one thing I've learned. You have to just trust the universe and the timing of everything and people come into your life people come into your you know yeah people come into your life exactly when they're meant to meant to and so i'm super thankful that you came into my life and i'm looking forward to seeing where things continue on in the future and again thank you for having me on today thank you so much and everybody make sure you check out bobby and all the wonderful things he's up to and as always i'm pulling for you 